Hey everyone, I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hey guys, well, today BJ and I are going to be talking about, uh, we're going to be answering actually a question from our Facebook community group, which was, how much does a parent's mental health issue contribute to their child's, like do people with anxiety have kids with anxiety, with depression? How much of this is nature versus nurture? Which is, I think, a fascinating topic um, Mm. since I have adopted and biological children. Um, But Rue, how is your self-care going? I have been uh, struggling. I've been struggling because, and I apologize for anyone that I'm making uh, paranoid right now, but I had LASIK done last fall, and I was so excited for perfect vision. And then for three months after, while I, you know, I was healing, but at night, every light had a rainbow flare. My vision was super gay for a while, Um, but that (laughs) that mostly went away. Yeah. Um, and then I started getting, it was not too long ago, I started getting, like, my vision was blurry, and I would get these headaches, and I ended up having to go for a brain MRI and a oh CT gosh. scan, Scary. and it turns out that I just need glasses again. Like, it oh. didn't quite work all the way. And so what people don't know, I didn't know this before I got it done. When you get LASIK done, it changes the curvature of your eyeball. So Mm -hmm. for some people, you can't wear contacts. So if it doesn't work, you're stuck with glasses. Interesting. So I put glasses on. I like Once I discovered, because I was going from doctor to doctor to doctor, and Mm -hmm. finally it was just, your eyesight you need glasses. So I ran to a lens crafters and I begged them to please do it within the hour or whatever. And I walked around some godforsaken mall while I waited. And putting the glasses on, I was like, oh, yes, I can see. But then I was like, oh, damn, what am I going to do now? Because I don't want to live the rest of my life with glasses. That was the whole point of doing LASIK. So I went to my doctor and they were like, yeah, I mean, he's going to call the surgeon to see because it's been within a year. But apparently my eyesight needs to be bad enough for them to warrant doing the surgery. So a little bit bad isn't going to be good enough. And it is like the idea of going through it again and going through the healing process. And at this point, I'm like, yes, just do it. Do whatever you need to do. You need to do it again. You need to burn my retinas. Fine. I just don't want to be in this weird place where like and I don't know if you I don't know for people who are nearsighted and know this people who are nearsighted know this but sometimes you get glasses and it takes a while for your brain to get used to them and I have like headaches and my depth perception is all wonky and I haven't been driving the past couple days because I don't want to drive when my depth perception is wonky so it has been super bumming me out and then I was reading all these horror stories about post-LASIK 
online, which I shouldn't have. And there's this, you know, there are a lot of these stories about people who have bad experiences and it causes them to, you know, go as far as to, you know, go to self-harm and, and oh, all this all the sad places that can bring because they can't right. they can't see or they have blurry vision or they're dealing with a lot of pain and um there was like a, a a news anchor that you know just couldn't deal with it anymore and and she her story was was really started to highlight the issues around lasik now is lasik safe yes does it work for almost everyone yes am i just a person that needed glasses after lasik I told my doctor, I'm like, does this mean I should buy a lottery ticket on the way home? Because this right. this sucks. Um, so I've decided that if they'll let me, I'm going to beg, borrow, and steal. Like, I just want them to do it again yeah, just to fix it. So I will say that it is bumming me out enough that I just want to sit in bed and watch episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I'm really sorry. That's frustrating. I mean, because, you know, you kind of want it to be all or nothing. I mean, if you were wearing glasses before and you still have to wear glasses, like, if the glasses fix the issue, then, you you know, it's kind of pointless. Yeah. I mean, my vision is better than it was, but not better to the point where I don't need a device. Right. And before I just wore contacts, I could have just stayed wearing contacts. So... Oh, I don't know. I don't know if it's a, a word of caution or just, uh, by the way, I'm part of this very small percentage that's yeah. irritated right now. So I I mean, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. I think that, and I'll ask you this, my brain, I find that I'm the most frustrated and I feel the most anxious and my self-care goes the most haywire, or maybe I need it the most, when I have issues in my life that are out of my control. Oh, yeah. When there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I can do about my eyeballs. I can't do anything about it. I'm at the mercy of this doctor and this doctor and this surgeon. Mm-hmm. And so that's frustrating. And this yeah. weekend, this weekend, I wrote down a list of all the things that was bo- that were bothering me. And so much of it was out of my control. Yeah. And that, yeah, that is, that's when I think I spiral a little. Totally. Yeah, I feel the same way. When things are completely out of my control, I feel hopeless. Hopeless and helpless. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm impatient. Despair. I'm like, just yeah. call the guy, do the thing. Totally. What do you mean you're not going to wait? I got to, you know. Totally. Anyway, so I am I sound like a real bummer right now, and I'm sorry, and I hope next episode I will be delightful. But anyway, Aww. that's that's, that's, where, that's I where I am. At. That's where you're at. Yes. Well, how about how about you? How's your self-care going? It's going pretty good. I mean, I talked, you know, in the last episode about how I feel like my health anxiety is really reduced. Um, but it's it's funny. I've been really busy this summer with travel. It's been almost nomadic. Um, more so than, you know, and it's just been such a kind of jolt to the system after a year and a half of sitting at home. But what, <laughs> what has happened is, um, you know that we do home exchange. So right. we will sometimes swap houses with people. And once everyone got the vaccine, it just became a flurry of invitations. You know, do you want to swap with us here? Do you want to swap with us there? And I'm excited to be traveling again. And so we've just been swapping a ton. And so, or sometimes alternately, we will let people stay in our house while we go stay at our timeshare. Nice. Yeah. Um, Well, I feel like every time I text you, you're somewhere. I am. And so, I mean, I have been all over the place. I did a training at Onsite, um, a professional training. So I was gone for that. 
Then we rented the house out, stayed in Palm Springs. Um, then we went to a family camp. My kids and I went to a family camp. Um, I leave in two days for the Dominican Republic for a home swap. <laughs> oh, you're bringing the kids with you? No. So they're staying with Mark. Oh, okay. Okay. That's a no but kids still, one. Yeah. But still, DR, that's that's great. Yeah. And then I'm going to the desert with the kids while we have another home swap family in our house. I mean, but it's exciting. I'm, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. I will say people always ask me like, well, what do you do with your stuff? And, you know, how does all that work? And like, you know, we do. We have to do a really deep clean and we lock everything away. Um, but it's funny. In our last episode, we were talking about kids and clutter. Yes. This has forced my kids to declutter. Because I won't let them have anything sitting out. So right, it's like, get rid of it then. Like, if it doesn't fit in your drawers, you can't have it. That I So do you only home swap with people you know? Or is oh, it? Oh, no, you don't know any of them. No. Are you ever, like, will you tell us any really good juicy stories? Like, has anything really funny or ridiculous happened? No, it's been completely pleasant. Oh. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm glad. Totally <laughs> no drama. Like, Nothing, nothing so far. I mean, I, <laughs> I'll tell you the story. There was this, I don't know if it's still around, but it was like a really upscale Airbnb for families that was mm-hmm. going around. It had it had some name. It was some very fancy looking website. And so they asked uh, a, a friend of ours, an influencer to go and she brought her family. And it was this beautiful home in New York City. And it's, you know, like whenever I do an Airbnb, I want the entire place to myself. I don't yeah. want, you know, I want to be alone on the property. Absolutely. And so that was the case also. And they have, it's, it was big and they had like this upstairs, whatever. And she realized on the second day that they were coming, they were sneaking back inside <gasps> their own home what? to go stay upstairs in the attic apartment. And no. she's like, I can't, I can't sleep. They're here. Like that's so creepy. Like my kids are running around in their underwear, and they're here. And so she packed up in the middle of the night uh, and got yeah. a hotel. I would that too. is that is that's like that's something out of a really awful movie. Oh my gosh, that's so creepy. We've had nothing like that. We've had just absolutely lovely people. Um, yeah, I mean, so far, so good. But I'll tell you, I mean, I'm very strict on vetting, you know. Mm. So we occasionally Airbnb, and I will only accept, you know, people that already have reviews. If it's 10 adults, I'm going to say no, right? Right. <laughs> like, if it's a family with kids, I'll say yes. Like, but I'm not I'm not hosting parties. I'm not hosting, right. you know, 25-year-olds on spring break. Um so I've been really strict in who we – and then, you know, when we're swapping homes, I mean, generally speaking, we're going to another nice house. So I don't know why anybody would feel the need to, like, steal something from me, you know, like – Right. I don't know. Yeah, it's well, been I don't great even think so about far. S- stealing. I mean, just, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm just looking for a juicy story that you don't have for me right no, now. it's all really bland and boring. We've just had okay. very nice families <laughs> which is, with kids swimming which in the pool. Which is how you want it to be. Exactly. Which is how you want it to be. Yeah. I, um, just so you know, and this is going to be a weird flex, but it's really important for me that you know this. I have a perfect Airbnb rating and I have like 15 reviews and they're all five stars. So I imagine that if I was going to rent out your house, you would probably say yes to me. Well, you know, I mean, me being an Enneagram 3, 
like, not only do I want the perfect score when I'm a guest, but I want the perfect score as a host. Right. I leave out treats. I leave out notes. Like, I have robes for them. I mean, I'm, like, way overboard and making everyone happy. (laughs) I I will say this. I did screw up at an Airbnb once. What happened? It was was a writing weekend, and I was staying at this divey little apartment in a really sketchy part of town, but it had character, you know? And I was being inspired as a writer, and I could hear, you know – voices outside of my window and I lit a bunch of candles so I could write do 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 I didn't realize one candle had like tipped over a little bit and scorched um a part of this old like already kind of shitty beat up dresser Mm -hmm. but there was a black mark and so I'm like trying to clean it and it's super not noticeable really I mean it's like in the far corner I could have probably put a tchotchke over it but I and I was so upset because I have this perfect rating. So I messaged totally. the owner and I said, "Hey, I want to let you know this happened. Here are some photos of it. Let me know what I can do. I mean, I'll I'll pay to replace the dresser. I'm so so sorry, so sorry." And he was like, "Oh, it's fine. It's okay. Thank you for saying something. Every other person I had would just not have told me." So I was I was still mortified. So I went out and I stocked his Airbnb kitchen with nice. snacks for the next people, and then I bought him booze for his bar cart. And I Very felt smart. so awful. I felt so awful because who does that? Like you don't go into someone else's house and light a candle and not monitor it, you know very very closely so anyway mia culpa but he still gave me five stars nice yeah (laughs) all right what do you have for two thumbs up today okay i bought this and i thought of you so you know how for a really long time i was only wearing matte lipstick and you're like this is gonna change wait a couple years you're never gonna wear matte lipstick again so (laughs) glossier came out with something called ultra lip and it's like a stain and a lipstick and a balm in one. And it is shiny. Not crazy lip yeah. gloss shiny, but it's shiny. It has – it's pretty. And so I bought it and I do not believe I'll be wearing a matte lipstick anymore. This is – it's really, really nice. It feels really nice. I got a really good color for me. Um, and it – is really pretty too. So I ended up buying it and then they had some sale and I ended up buying three more of the same color just in case because I have to dug funny it. And I think that you will like it. I think that you'll like it because it is a it is glossy in some way. Okay, this is so funny. We did not plan this, but I'm skipping ahead and I'll come back to your second two thumbs up because the thing I was going to talk about today was also a lip butter. Oh, from a different brand, but I'm going to try yours and I want you to try mine and we'll compare and contrast. So mine is from a brand called Melixer. Now, I think yours is more of, I feel like yours is more cosmetic. This one is a little bit more of like, you might even like wear it to bed, you know? Ah, I see. It's more of a tinted lip balm, but Mm -hmm. I'm in love with it. It feels so good and it just gives the littlest hint of color and it's, you know, it's like a vegan, clean brand. But it's this random thing where my boyfriend will always say, like, like for Mother's Day, right? He'll be like, just make an Amazon list of what mm. the kids should get you. And so I just saw, like, this was served to me as, like, something I would like. And I just was like, oh, this. And so they got it for me for Mother's Day. And it's it's really nice. What color do you have? I have the color called Nude Cracker, which makes me laugh. (laughs) 
It's for white people, I guess. I don't know. I, yes, why? <laughs> Who's naming these? I don't know. All well, the other weird. ones. Yeah, the other ones are like Sunset Garden, Red Velvet, and then there's Nude Cracker. I am dying. I really want to know this. Like, I feel like someone lost a bet. I know, I know. But that's um, the I color think I have I w- and I like. I think I would go for Lust Red, which is also kind of... Mm, but it's a that brick red looks pretty. And it is subscribe and save, which is, you know, my new favorite thing. So. I know. Decide once. Okay. I'm So I'm going to order this, and I want listeners to know that Kristen and I do these two thumbs up. And what ends up happening is we just keep buying each other's two Constantly. thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> Con- like, Constantly. Like I have Amazon open every time we're talking. Which of the Glossier colors do you have? I have Trench. Trench. Oh, that's a weird name. Trench. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't. You know what? Now that you're saying this, yes, it is. It is not a great name, but I, it it, it works well for my skin tone. Um, and I do very much like it. Okay. I'm gonna think. I'm gonna try their Vilia. Their dusty rose. Well, what, what, what does that even mean? V- Vilia. I know they have weird names too. Cachet. Vesper. But trench is the word. Like, trend, that makes me think of trench mouth for a lipstick. It makes me feel like I like being in the trenches. Yeah. Such a weird name. Anyway, it, All is, right, it, I it, it is nice. I interrupted you. What was your second two thumbs up? Okay. This is going to sound bananas, but it is a cordless jump rope. That sounds bananas. Which essentially means it's like... Pretend you're jumping rope and you've got the two handles in your hands <laughs> and <laughs> you just don't have the thing whipping around you, which is crazy. I know. And it kind it feels a little bit just like owning nunchucks. Yes. But it's all the benefits of doing jump rope, but you can do it inside without hitting your ceiling fan or whatever. Okay. But it's great for, you know, like, it's like if you want to add a little jump roping to your workout routine, but you don't want to trip and fall on your face in your driveway you just get a cordless jump rope i i, I don't i want to know who thought of this because it's so dumb and i'm embarrassed telling you about it but cordless jump rope yes see i just don't like jumping rope though because you do right i mean to me it's like first of all it feels hard on the knees second of all my boobs always hurts mm. um third maybe i'm gonna pee myself yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's that's a good test to see whether or not you're doing Kegels enough, This is right? true. This is true. Um, and also, like, they're not – they look like a weird sex toy. They do look like a weird sex toy. We needed to do an episode sometime of, like, things that you have that look like a weird sex toy. Yeah, things that you have that you would have to explain if someone saw them. Well, I got this thing, so, you know – to rub my boyfriend's neck. Like, I have puny, tiny fingers. It really actually <laughs> kind of sucks. And so I got this – I was, like, Googling, like, how do you give massages when you have, like, sucky, tiny thumbs? And there's this, like, thumb protector that you can buy, and it and you use that instead of your own thumb. But you put your thumb in it, okay. and I swear it looks like a weirdly shaped dildo. And <laughs> – you know, I'll pull it out and like rub his neck, and then I feel like if I ever leave this out, my kids are just going to think it's some like weird. It's purple. It just right. really looks like a sex toy. <laughs> right. Um, yes, I actually have. For some reason, I ended up getting a pill case for my daily meds, and I think the shape is just so round and long-ish. Like it's just <laughs> there are just certain shapes that you know if you go through TSA, they're gonna scan it and go, yeah. oh, 
dildo. Uh, vibrator. And it's not. It's just, it's like this, that toothbrush, breath, toothbrush case shape. Um, yes. It's kind of a bummer. But anyway, if anyone's interested in looking stupid i guess it's it's just so effective that i couldn't not share (laughs) that's so funny i love it okay what's your other two thumbs up my other one what um is this body oil so i've been doing oils instead of lotions i don't know why i just like enjoy it more i feel like it goes on faster but you know i have eczema um, so I found a new body oil that I really like. It's from a brand called Coco Baba, and everything that they make is made of coconut oil. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just really nice. It's like it's not super greasy. It feels a little bit more silky. It's just light, but very, very moisturizing. And so I just do that right after a bath. Mm. Um, and I feel like it like locks in the moisture and it's it has a nice light scent. That is nice. And now a quick sponsor break. Most of us could use more energy in our day, but caffeine can only do so much. And some of us, like myself, don't even do caffeine. At some point, we have to look at the root causes of our fatigue. It turns out there are two main factors in low energy. Those are chronic stress and a lack of nutrition. Stress and nutritional deficits can lead to low energy, bad mood, and all kinds of long-term issues. Organifi creates delicious superfood blends that address both of these problems. They use adaptogenic herbs to help balance cortisol levels associated with stress and make it easier to add more nutrients into your day. You simply add a scoop into water or a plant-based milk of your choice, and you can have a natural boost any time of the day. It's full of carefully picked adaptogens, fruits, vegetables, medicinal mushrooms, and more. Now this word adaptogens, you might be wondering what that means. These are herbs and mushrooms that literally help you adapt to the stress in your life. They balance hormones, they promote a state of calmness, and help you get back to that baseline faster than usual. Organifi specializes in creating delicious superfood blends powered by these. If you're looking for an easy way to support your amazing body, I highly recommend trying Organifi. You can check out the products in the Organifi shop at Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-N-I-F i.com go to organifi.com and use the code selfie for 15 percent off any item in the store again code selfie at organifi.com for 15 percent off anything in the store hey guys well we are here with our resident therapist bj hickman hey bj hi Kristen. all right we got this interesting question um <laughs> from someone in our selfie facebook group which is a question that resonates with me um, as someone who has both biological and adoptive children. Um, But they asked, how much does a parent's mental health issues contribute to their child's? Does anxiety beget anxiety, depression? What's heritability? What is nature versus nurture? You want to (laughs) start? Yeah. I mean, I I can say um, yes. To all of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I laughed when I read it because it felt like such an obvious question to me. And I don't mean that disparagingly at all. It was just like, when you do the work that we do, it's like, yes, yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. To yes. everything that you just asked, because it, it was, it is exactly the thing that people don't recognize how often yeah. their, their mental health is so all consuming and they don't realize the impact that it has on everything and on, and the impact that everyone else's has on them. Yeah. 
And there a, and there are components of both. There are genetic yes, components. Absolutely. In fact, I'm going to tell a story. So, you know, I have two biological kids, two adoptive kids. I have a super weird fish allergy or um, mm. fish phobia. I don't know where it came from. I've just been always been terrified of fish. Now, I <laughs> am also a parent who's very aware of like, I don't want to pass things on to my kids, right? Mm-hmm. And I do. I also have generalized anxiety disorder. I have mm-hmm. um, health anxiety. So I never talk about my health stuff with my kids. Yeah. You know, I'm very mindful of like, I, you know, I just keep yep. that to myself. Um, I don't want, you know, I don't want to complain about my random things to my kids. So I have this weird fish phobia. It doesn't really affect my life. So this is a benign example. Never have discussed it with my kids. And we went on a cruise and we decided we would all go snorkeling. Now I'm terrified, right? <laughs> terrified. But I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to white knuckle it. I'm going to fake it. I am not going to let my kids see me scared and I'm not going to give them a complex about fish. So I'm like, we're all good. I'm acting so breezy, you know, using that theater degree. (laughs) We're all out there. And my daughter, India, who's very much like me, puts the snorkel mask on, sticks her head in the water, and proceeds to have the biggest freak out that she's ever had in her life. She was screaming. She was crawling up me. She – I can't – screaming – I, I can't even explain the freak out that she had. And I am trying to be compassionate, but I'm dying <laughs> laughing. I'm dying because I'm like, how does oh this girl? Oh, my God. How, it's how, in her DNA. Right? Like, how have I given this child a fish phobia? Like, I've never talked about this. How funny. But I'll give another example. My daughter, Karis, also my biological child. I have health anxiety. As I mentioned, I don't talk about that stuff. When she first went to school, I noticed that when I would pick her up, she would detail to me every boo-boo and wound that she got during the day. That's how she connected with me when I picked her up. Oh, hi, mom. I got this scratch and I got this and I got that. And a couple weeks in, I'm like, okay, I don't like the emphasis she's putting on her health, right? Right. And so we developed a boo-boo journal. And so it was like, oh, my gosh, I really want to hear about your boo-boos, but I want you to write them in the journal first when we get home. And then we'll look at the journal later in the day. Now, when I put that in place, she journaled maybe three days, and then she lost interest. And then she started telling me about different things Mm -hmm. in her day when I picked her up. So it changed her focus. But in both of those situations, it's just so interesting to me that these things yeah. that I've tried to, you know, really protect from modeling for my kids mm-hmm. seemed to crop up genetically, yeah. regardless of what I was doing. Yes. It's well, so interesting. It is so interesting. And I and the truth is, I do believe, and there's evidence to support that we do pass those things down. Yeah. That there is an element of our mental health, of our traumas, of things we've experienced that become embedded in our DNA mm-hmm. and it gets passed down to our kids. Yeah. So that, the fish story, I never heard you tell that before. I love it. <laughs> like that is just, I mean, that's a perfect example of what, how you can't explain it any other way. No. There's, no. it's just too, I don't, 
I mean, I, I don't like getting in the ocean because I don't want fish around me, but I used to go fishing as a kid and then clean my own fish. So I don't have a fish phobia. Yeah. So to, to have that and then to have a daughter that had the exact same reaction is just too good. We, I think nature and nurture are equally mm-hmm. involved. Yeah. And I think, I think our children sense, I think it gets passed down. Mm-hmm. I think we often inadvertently model and wear our trauma and our mental health issues, even when we don't want to. Yes. And our kids pick up on that as well. There's energy in the room around it. Yep. Um, I think sometimes ignorantly when we don't know better, you were really intentional about not sharing those things, but most of us aren't, most parents aren't that intentional or aware of not being more vocal about their fears. And I mean, I know more than one person who's, parent was mortified of dogs and each of their children was too, because that's all they taught them was dogs are dangerous. So, Mm -hmm. you know, not every parent is as as good, as good about being careful of passing those things on overtly. Um, But I know that we, I love the fact that, that we, that we use the word nurture because it's the counter to what comes from nature. Mm. And if we can nurture our children, the way they need to be nurtured, the impact of nature is going to be minimized mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. mitigated right. in ways that, that if we aren't nurturing, they will just continue to grow and be part of the issues that our kids struggle with throughout their lifetime. Yeah. And so becoming aware, and again, we go back to, con- this is about bringing the, the narrative into the room, identifying the elephant. The importance of not being afraid to talk about what you do need to talk about, about Mm -hmm. your mental health. Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter got drunk. My husband's a recovering alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And my daughter got drunk on her 14th on Valentine's when she was 14 because she didn't have a date. Mm. And we had our first conversations. First time I knew that she was even experimenting with alcohol. And I said, you know, I don't want you drinking at 14, but I but the way, the reason you drank and got drunk is what scares the shit out of me. Yeah. And yeah. that's what we have to talk about because you don't have the luxury mm-hmm. of drinking that way. And that was the beginning and probably was late in the game. Although my kids had grown up hearing their dad tell their his stories, not glamorizing it in any way, but we were in ministry where he used his experiences with substance abuse as a teenager to um, inspire kids who wanted to, to be sober. And so my kids had grown up knowing about his issues with alcohol and drugs and had not been protected from that at all. But this was the first direct conversation we had with them about it. And my son was in the room and talked about his own experiences as well. And we became really intentional from that point forward of talking about it from the way it affects them, which we'd not had the understanding of at that time to know that we needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but once it came up, we did. And we've done that just like the conversation we had in a previous episode about sex. We started at a young age with our grandchildren talking. Mm-hmm. And just recently, my husband celebrated 10 years of sobriety. He had a relapse a few years ago. And um, he was talking about a gift that someone gave him in front of my almost 10 year old granddaughter. And she said, and celebrating his 10th birthday. 
And she said, what do you mean, Pops? And he froze. He didn't know what to say. Mm. He didn't know what my daughter would want him to say to her. He kind of just froze. And I was nearby, but not in on the conversation. And I just listened. And he stumbled his way through it. And I can't remember what he said. But on the way home, we talked about it. And I said, you know, Lindsay doesn't care what you say. She wants you to be open and honest with the girls. And um, we talked about what he could have said if he hadn't frozen and could have found his words. And <laughs> a couple of days later, they were here. Um, they do virtual school here a couple, a couple of days a week. And at lunch, we were sitting out together on the porch. And something was said that made it a really organic segue into him saying something to her. And we then had a conversation with both girls about his sobriety and about his relapse and about his struggle as a teenager, as well as, as an adult hmm. with substances. And they were, it was so sweet because they stepped right into empathy with him and they weren't dysregulated by it at all because these are conversations that we've had in other ways with them and they know about substance abuse and that kind of thing. And it was really a beautiful opportunity. And that's how I want parents who have mental health issues to think of it, that this isn't something to be ashamed of. Yes. And your children are likely going to have genetic predisposition to something that you're experiencing. Yeah. And the more you normalize that, you normalize your medication, if that's what you're yep. taking, the more you normalize your experience with your mental health without igniting fear in them, but it's going to, it's going to raise questions. And if those questions are free to be talked about as a whole in the family mm -hmm. without stigma, then the fear they feel of experiencing those things is, is mitigated. Not only that, their freedom to say out loud, well, you know what? I think maybe I've got some anxiety. Totally. During the pandemic, my son-in-law who has generalized anxiety disorder was very open about it. And my daughter or my granddaughter was lying in bed one night when they were spending the night and she has stomach aches a lot. Mm -hmm. And she said, Nanny, I think I'm realizing that my stomach aches are anxiety. Mm -hmm. And now we're talking about the fact that this child struggles with anxiety. And when yeah. she gets in her head, yep. it catastrophizes very, very quickly. Yep. And now this is a topic that everyone in the family supports and knows what to do with, with her. When you make it a, a family conversation, an ongoing part of your family's conversation, these don't have to be big things to fear. They can be very empowering and you're providing tools for your kids to know what to do with their own anxiety or depressive feelings or whatever mm -hmm. else they might be experiencing. They may not have words for them yet because mm -hmm. you've not normalized this enough to create space for it. And it'll be interesting to see as you do where they come and they're empathy towards you, towards their friends, towards other people who struggle with these same issues is going to grow. And you're creating really amazing humans to go out in the world and know how to help others normalize their mental health. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, there's that balance between, you know, for me, it's like as someone with anxiety, I don't want to talk about this my intrusive thoughts, right? Like yes, I don't want to share, right. oh, I, you know, spent most of my day thinking I had cancer, you know, <laughs> yes. but I do share with my kids that I have anxiety 
and yeah. I share how I work on it, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, here's a cog thought diary that I use, or here's, you know, um, and as you said, I mean, we, you know, we have a kid who has addiction in his, you know, mm-hmm. genetic Family makeup. History. And so we talk about that a lot. Like, hey, when yeah. we talk about drinking, like, and now we're still not sure how that's going to work out for you. You know, yeah. like, we don't know if you'll be able to be a casual drinker. And, yep. and we're going to have to be really careful when you start drinking, like you might find you just can't, you know, yep. um, and that's uh, okay. You may black out after two beers. Yeah. That's a pretty good signal. Yep. That you're predisposed to it. Yep. Yeah. And we, and we're, we're, we're in a wait and see approach to that. And like, Absolutely. we don't have shame around alcohol, but like, we're going to find out, you know, we're going to, we're going to approach that really carefully when you start and drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, yeah, That's the more, the more we can be open. I mean, I have the benefit of like, I have a kid with ADD. I have a boyfriend with ADD. I have an ex-husband mm-hmm. with ADD. We just yeah. talk super openly about ADD. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. It's just a thing. No big. Yep. No labels. Yeah. It's just a reality. Yeah. That's it. And that's how you have to see it is we've got these stigmas that we carry. Some have been perpetrated onto us and some of them we've carried on. We've taken on ourselves and we need to be able to normalize that in our own thought processes, mm-hmm. our acceptance of ourselves. Mm-hmm. When we do, we'll find the wisdom to know how to share what's appropriate, what's age appropriate so that we're not scaring our kids. It's yeah. not the goal. It's to bring it to make it feel more normal yes. and not something to be afraid of. Yes. Also normalizing therapy, letting yes. your kids see you do therapy. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I've said this so many times and I'll say it again at some point, get your kid into therapy. Yes. Like have them have that experience as a child, as like a no big situation yep. so that when they really have a crisis in adulthood, they can go, oh, I've, I've done that before. That's not that big of a deal. I can reach mm-hmm. out and do that again. Yep. They don't I have agree. to be in a huge crisis to go to therapy. And let's wait. Let's don't wait until they are. Oh, so true. Let's so true. don't wait until yeah. they are in a big crisis. Let's make it normal yeah. by giving them a place to go talk about things that they're struggling saying to us. Yeah. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at Selfie Podcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care. Take care.